0: Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Rowan. Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We'll be looking back at all the action from the first legs of the Champions Cup round of 16. Then we'll be speaking to Ulster's Mike Lowry after their win in Toulouse. Plus, we'll be looking ahead to what might happen in the second legs this weekend. So settle back, enjoy, and make sure you're subscribed on Spotify.
2: Restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more.
0: Jim, you're in Dubai, mate. You've interrupted me there. I'll be honest. was enjoying a lovely cold one down by the pool with Gareth Davis, Welsh scrum half. Goody, was asking for you. How was he? He weren't really. He's a good <laughs> lad. He's a good boy. I'll tell you what. I said to Beck, that is not how normal humans look. He had his top off. I've got my tertiary on. I'm like, oh, my arms. Beck's like, oh, he was in the gym this morning. I was like, how do you know? How do you know he was in the gym? Because you had some massive bulging bicep in a pair of budgies looking a million dollars. How do you know he was in the gym? She's been watching. Yeah, of course she was. Well, mate, he's a better (laughs) man than me. I'm happy to put it there. So I'm happy to say it. I mean, my goodness me, you've got rig and you've got rig. Not that it's about that, but it is kind of about that when you're in Dubai, when you're at a pool bar having a beer. I mean... There's nothing worse, Andrew, than having a shit rig is there when you're on holiday (laughs) and you got your top off and you've got a pair of budgies on and it's like you got them on like it's minus 45. Well, that was like me. He was the polar opposite. So he was asking for your goody, As we always say, when we get guests on, he's a top lad, as a lot of the Welsh lads usually are. So Dubai is good. I needed this one. I didn't feel like I needed a break, but it was a long Six Nations it was a great Six Nations, obviously touring Andrew Rowe. You wouldn't have known about that, but mm. it was great. You should have known about that. I feel bad because I know that you're a bit hurt about that. You should have known about that. But in all honesty, you didn't know about it. <laughs> and it was a long, old tour, Goody, wasn't it? And a fully deserved break. It's probably a bit too hot for me. Andrew, I think there's going to be a bit of sweat. I don't know if you're going to shave the back or wax the back or whatever, but I'd advise to because it's very sweater. But it's a short one, this one, only a few days, so you robbers out there, I've already had a few people saying that they've been around the house and they've left them long rubber things in the drawer, so as long as they're left, <laughs> take whatever else you want. Well, I'll go back to
3: Gareth Davis, is he actually talking to you? Because obviously you spend a lot of time on this podcast lagging off the Welsh, the Welsh regions, the Welsh rugby, Wales in general. You can't be well liked by him, can you?
0: He thanked me. I'm the motivator. That's what he said. That's all he said. Thank you. And I was like, you're well, I don't know what for, but I presume it's for that reason. And... You're welcome. But yes, hey, he could be a shit player. He could be the world's best player. All I know is he's got a 10 out of 10 rig. That's all I know. Goody, how's your week been, mate?
3: Yeah, good. Good. Um, Well, Jim's in Dubai. I'm going there next week. So I've got Jim sort of scouring for nannies and things like that. You got any nannies sorted, Jim? How was the flight over? You have your knees around your ears or business class, I presume?
0: No, no, we're humble. Mate, the kids can't see their dad going business class. I don't think, I know it's different for you, Andrew. You live a different life to me. I know you've got a range with a Rover in it, so it's a Range Rover. You've got chefs, you've got cleaners, you've got nannies. <laughs> we, in the Hamilton house, we keep it humble.
3: Jim, get the nannies out. Sort the nannies out for me, because we're coming over next week. But you're flying back, so we miss each other, don't we?
0: We do. We do. And I'll I'd, I'd be honest, I'd much rather you be here, as in, like, to be stood at the bar with a pint in your hands, tops off. I'd, not just because we're best <laughs> mates, but also... Just aesthetically, I'd prefer if it was you, because I'd feel so inferior. So I actually, for that reason alone, I might just stay out for that reason alone. <laughs> when
3: well, you talk about people who rigs out, Jim. I had a little pick-me-up at the weekend, and I felt good about myself. So I've gone down to Exeter, commentated, and on the way back, finished the game, got in the car, driving home, it's about a four-hour drive home, call it three in the range, not a problem. But I thought, I'm a bit hungry, so I'm going to go into the service station and get a salad. As I've gone into the service station to buy a salad, as you do, that's what you get at service stations, isn't it?
0: What, from McDonald's?
3: Uh, well, I don't think it was McDonald's that I got. I can't. Anyway, I can't remember. Anyway, load of green stuff in there. And these lads have walked in with their tops off. And they're like, goody! And the harsh Gloucester accent. And I'm looking at them going, lads, people that take their tops off normally have good rigs. Why have you all got your tops off? You've got a belly hanging over your knees, son. You ain't got a chest. And I start, they were like, fuck, let's have a picture. Anyway, I'm there with my salad trying to get out. They've got all their tops on walking into the service station. So I'm going to give them a shout out. Old Sense Rugby Club in Gloucester. Absolute bedlam. Horrible bags of kit left, right and centre. Getting off their minibus with their tops off. Made me feel good about myself though. So a massive thank you. I did some pictures. I got in the car ate me salad on the way home and I was I was pretty happy but uh, yeah down in Exeter so I had a pasty I mentioned it last week didn't I my mate that's uh, basically a big bold bloke that stands in the tunnel stopping people going up and down the tunnel he gets me a pasty every time I go down there so he, he furnished me with one before the game which was quite nice so I thought because I've had a pasty I'll get a salad on the way home and the old sense boys from gloucester they found me with the salad and started taking pictures, and sent one to you, did they, Jim?
0: They did, and I was very thankful for that, because I forwarded it onto the Rugby Pod group chat. I should say, the old sense, you talk about a team of brothers, they're all brothers, aren't they, yeah. really? When you look at them, they're all, they're all related.
3: Very small gene pool down there, but... <laughs> yeah, some horrible bags of kit that made me feel good about myself, and I looked at myself afterwards and I thought, do you know what, I'm probably a 6 out of 10 compared to those boys, so I was pretty happy.
1: And rugby aside, Jim, there's been some sad news that has come out of uh, Scotland this week, hasn't there?
0: Yeah, there has, yeah. The passing of the great Tom Smith. And you know what? When we come to do the podcast and we get sad news like this, I feel bad sometimes to try and bring the energy because, it, I, yeah, I, I found it extremely sad and kind of knew it was coming, but you're kind of in denial about it coming. I knew Tom Smith, he coached me at Edinburgh, Didn't know him as well as obviously a lot of other people that have put stuff out on social media or who've stayed quiet on social media because they're grieving at this time. But me and Goody, 2019, we did a game. I was captain of the All-Stars. I think Goody was captain of England. And it was, ironically, for Stand Up to Cancer. And the game was in 2019. And I I can't remember who was playing because we were absolutely bollocks. But I know that Tom Smith was playing and... I put a picture on social media of, of him, big smile ear to ear. And anyone yeah. you speak to, I mean, there's no point in me telling you what a legend the bloke was, going out there and have a look. And an absolute legend. And what a loss at the age of 50 years old. And to fight the way that he's fought is just, I, I, you can't put it into words. So I'm gutted. I'm absolutely gutted. I, d- I don't really know what to say about it. But yeah, what a player, what a man. And the rugby world is mourning yet another legend gone too soon. Yeah, it's very sad, and that,
3: that's the thing—we've lost quite a few over the last couple of months, haven't we? In terms of legends of the game of rugby, it's like it's, I think Sorry McGeehan said he was the best Scottish player to play in the professional era, and not only that, his impact off the field with friends and family and everything like that—that's where you get judged as well. And uh, a wonderful bloke. Very sad news, and as Jim said, our thoughts with the friends and family.
1: All right, well, let's move on then uh, to the Champions Cup. Six away wins in eight games in the first legs of the round of 16. Were you guys surprised by that?
3: Yeah, I was a bit. I mean, there were some that you could probably predict would be away wins. So the Racing game was obviously, for me, going to be an away win. You could look at the La Rochelle game where they've absolutely hosed Bordeaux. And they beat them the week before in a really close encounter. Obviously, Bristol beat Sale. And we'll come on to the games individually in a bit. But yeah, I mean, historically in the Champions Cup, when the knockout stages are just the quarterfinals, the so last eight and a home game at your, your stadium, I think it's something like 20% of quarterfinals are won by the away team. So to see six out of eight, Jim, what would that be in a, as a percentage without using your calculator? A lot. <laughs> Well, reduce it down, Jim. Do you know how to reduce a fraction? What do you think? Mrs. Good? not teach you very well.
0: So what are you asking me? So give me the question. I'll try and answer it. I love this. We need a new segment. What is it? Hit me. <laughs> so
3: six out of eight games, the away team won at the weekend.
0: So six eighths, yeah.
3: Yeah. The question is, what would that be as a fraction? And you can help yourself by reducing the fraction down.
0: So three to four, three quarters. Yeah. So what percent? Uh 75. <laughs> there he is and for the listeners for the listeners that hasn't been edited fuck i blow my mind beck not only am i a podcast legend i might not be ripped i might be hung like a squirrel but i can do math beck (laughs)
3: beck (laughs) oh well done jim proud of you but yeah obviously six away wins you know some massive games leicester's performance was phenomenal down at claremont now you look at Claremont, and for the average fan, you think going away to Claremont is really difficult. You know They've not lost many games there. They went on that ridiculous run years ago where I think there were something like 65 games unbeaten at home. And people think, oh, geez, Claremont don't lose games at home. But they've actually lost five out of their last six home games in Europe now. So when you look at it like that, you think actually maybe Leicester were favourites being top of the premiership. I loved it. Absolutely loved every game. Had something on it. I say I loved every game. The Sale-Bristol game was absolutely shite. Let's be let's be honest. It was horrific to watch. But in terms of, you know, the stories, the the fact that it's a two legged affair now, you know, even you go to look at the Montpellier game and we'll give some detail in a bit. Montpellier Quinns, Montpellier thirty four nil up against Quinns and you're thinking, Night night, no biscuit Isle of Queens, you're done. But then they fight their way back as they have done in previous games, score twenty six points and you know, they're still in with a sniff. So this second week is going to be phenomenal. There's a couple of games that you think are done and dusted. So the Racing game's definitely done and dusted, I think. I can't see sainz say going to their stadium and getting much out of it. But all the others, maybe bar Bordeaux going to La Rochelle, I think, are going to be absolute humdingers with both teams in with a shout of winning.
0: The thing is for me around these games is you think back to the games before and with the COVID cancellations, 28 nil because of that, Let's not forget Montpellier had nearly 90 points put on them by Leinster. Call it 100. Let's round it up to 150. <laughs> so the tournament at that time before these games was a bit of a joke, really, wasn't it? When you think about what we've seen before. So you go into this and I'm thinking Montpellier, have they thrown the towel in or not? Because they're top of the top 14. course they bloody haven't. You know, Leicester are going to Clermont like Goody said. How good are Leicester? They're unbelievable in the premiership. And we watched that game, we're like... They're unbelievable. And my point being is the games that we've seen, like they're all proper, as in they're all teams that were desperate to win, obviously. And the two-legged aspect of it has just added a completely different layer to it. And I I think every game, like Goody said, apart from the Bristol sale match, was was awesome. Well, let's unpick that first game that we
1: mentioned, the Leicester game. How impressive were they, Goody? I mean, you mentioned how impressive they were, but how does this rank as far as some of their top away wins?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's got to be up there. Knockout rugby, Yeah, the stadium looked unbelievable, the noise, the atmosphere. But the way they play, and you could look at Leicester and people say, oh, you know, they don't play that attractive rugby. They're not chucking the ball around. They're very, very good at what they do. And they've got an unbelievable kicking game, an unbelievable kick chase game. They've got the power up front. Their set piece is phenomenal. All the fundamentals of what you need to win big European games and make yourself very difficult to beat are in there. Freddie Stewart under the high ball, chasing high balls, both sides of it. So whether it's him receiving them or actually more so him getting after them, especially when you've had your ribs emptied absolutely everywhere on the field and you've nearly spewed when you've had the wind knocked out of you. Did you see that tackle, Jim? Yeah. Cancorrier absolutely smoked him. The way they play, they kick a lot. You can't get away from it. You know, that they're a low-risk strategy in terms of how they play the game. But my God, they're very good at what they do. You know, when you go the pick-and-go game... Yeah, you know, they're set-piece. They bring Coley off the bench. You know, he's come back from injury. Jasper Visa all over the shop, smashing people. And you looked at the Claremont team. Claremont started really well. And you're thinking, geez, this could be really tough for Leicester. But they're just so difficult to break down. Defensively, grafting for each other like you wouldn't believe. There was a few errors. There's a you know, a couple of line breaks. Jack Van Portfleet comes in at the 11th hour to start instead of Ben Young's. And he gets back and makes an unbelievable cover tackle. So it was, as a performance... There was a lovely seed from George Ford, which creates a try on the edge for Sal Mackey. You know, I'm looking at the team, I'm like, where's Nandolo? Where's some of the other boys? But there isn't many guys in that team that are rock stars and, you know, light the place up in terms of individual brilliance, ball in hand. But my God, they are very effective at what they do and really hard to break down. I'm up I'm the Leicester Clermont return fixture this weekend. Cannot wait for
0: it. I think they beat Clermont comfortably in the yeah. return leg. Clement threw everything at him in that first 10, 15 minutes. And again, just to reiterate your point, good. I'm thinking the same. I'm thinking actually maybe it's a step too far. Europe, like you said, absorbed it, absorbed it. And then I think they actually, I like the way Leicester play. I enjoy watching them play. And we mentioned scored out on the wide, scored up close. Genji again, it's just come off the hour, come off the man. And I say that off the back of that game, but it's before that. Like he's just now, he is in the bracket of one of the best props in the world. And he's leading that team. The physicality and mentioned Jasper Visa. I tell you what, I don't know. Oh, here at cams. I don't think they're good enough to win it. I don't. I don't think they've got enough power. But what's that based on? Now the fact that they did a job on Clement and they're top of the log in the Prem. Them being in Europe and winning games, it feels right. It feels like yeah. the Leicester of old is back. I'm enjoying it. And it was comfortable for them at Clermont, And I did an article in the Times on Sunday, and I thought both Quinns and Leicester would win. And then I actually realised that, actually, it weren't the Montpellier team that had 90-point spot on them. They're going to go full noise <laughs> in this. But I think from a Leicester point of view, one of the most well-supported teams in the world, it was cracking to see them go to Clermont because not many teams go there in Europe and win, and win comfortably either. Talk to me about the
1: Guy Porter red card.
0: Harsh. Nah, disagree. All right, we'll get into it. Even... Lawrence Delalio, the go-at, he's seeing it as a red. And he also did say it was an accident. And this – I'm not going back on myself because accidents are still red cards, right? Yeah. But from what we've seen in terms of some of the red cards at the weekend, some of the red cards we've seen in terms of high shots, the one in the breath, Saracen's game, that's a red card. Yeah. So so is that. I, I can't see that. I can't see how that is the same. I know that the bands will be significantly different and it didn't affect the game, but he's not even looking at him. He's not even looking at Fritzley.
3: But this is the problem, right? So it's harsh because it's an accident. So in terms of what you're saying, it's harsh and I disagree. It's a red card every day of the week for me because there's head contact. But if you look at what Guy Porter does, he flies out the line with line speed. He's out of control of what he's doing and that causes the head contact. He's not deliberately trying to bang him in the head. Of course he's not, but he's also getting off the line and and hitting people that way is a danger. So the fact that, You've created head contact, Fritz Lee goes off, he fails his HIA as well. That's what they're trying to get out of the game. Now, people who go, Oh, it's an accident, should never, you know, should never be a red. I understand that argument, but actually if we're gonna get this out of the game and try and make the game as safe as possible in terms of head contacts that are avoidable, then you have to punish players, you know, that are flying out the line to end an attack or smash someone you run that risk yourself so that's that was my take on it I thought it was a red card straight away as soon as it's head contact that's why I think he's a red card
0: I'm not denying that it's not a red card I'm saying I prefer that not to be a red card so Andrew this goes to a question that I'm going to ask you if there was an orange card would you see that as an orange card would you see that as something I know we're hypothetical and we're spitballing but in my mind it's good to get into your mind which would be very hungry I'm sure
3: Yeah, my mind is also very hungry and always very hungry, James. But yeah, yeah, that would be an orange card. But my thing on an orange card, and I listened to Nigel Owens about this the other day, I think initially he thought the orange card might be a good idea. But recently he's gone back on it and said, actually, it's not because you're not going to change behaviours for accidents. So what I'm saying is the behaviour around Guy Porter is he's flown out the line and he's trying to stop an attack and he's put himself and other players at risk by doing that. So it is an accident. It would be an orange card. But do I like the orange card? Probably not, no, because you're not going to necessarily change players' behaviours and there'll be so much ambiguity around what is and what isn't an orange card. Take the Charlie Ewells one uh, in the Six Nations. Some people say, oh, it's accidental because he's you know, he's just trying to get off him defensively. Nah. But that's the thing. People have said that. So where's the ambiguity around what is and what isn't an accident? You, know, you look at Juan Cruz Malia's one from Toulouse. He's not deliberately taken Ben Moxham out in the air but it's bloody dangerous, so it's a red card. So he's not thinking, I'm just going to go and smoke him. Then if you give an orange card for that, you're not going to change people's behaviour. So that's, I don't know, I just basically listen to Nigel Owens and whatever he says, I agree with. And in my role of trying to become a TMO at some point for hopefully 350 grand a year, I, I will I will learn and, and listen to whatever Nigel Owens says.
1: You mentioned that red card for Toulouse. How happy will they be, do you think, with the way things turned out, only going into the second leg six points down after being down to 14 after 10 minutes.
0: Well, they nearly won it at the end. And that shows how dangerous Toulouse are. I mean, Ulster were on the bloody ropes. Let's just put it out there and say they're on the bloody ropes. But also, again, the two legs. yeah, The two legs. What that has done for this Ulster team and the energy that it's going to build going back to Belfast is massive. Absolutely massive. And I know there's only six points in it, right? Which is nothing, especially if you're Toulouse, who you can score tries from anywhere. It's a one-off game. It's a one-off game for Ulster. But I know you want to talk about that game, but I'm excited for Ulster because I basically said that they beat Toulouse at the weekend. I couldn't put, I couldn't put it on the block, could I? I didn't quite say it. I felt something was happening.
3: Well, then basically, I, I mentioned jet lag and you went now. They're getting done by about 30, I think. I'm sure you said that last <laughs> <Yes>. week.
0: <laughs> Did I really say that? What an idiot.
3: <laughs> oh, God. It sounds really bad to say. Listen, Ulster will be so pleased with the victory without a shadow of a doubt. You know, getting a victory over in Toulouse, obviously, there was a red card, which, you know, I know that Toulouse coaches, Hugo Moller, my old coach, was absolutely raging about. I'm like, how are you raging about that, Hugo? What? Yeah, so French. No, not possible. I'm like, very possible. That is a red card every day of the week.
0: Because they're talking about Barty getting like security around him. Because this is not a red. What are you talking about, you maniacs? <laughs> yeah, but I
3: think because Roman Untermax scored with a minute to go, and I think Ramos knocks the conversion over to bring it back to six points. Had they have had a thirteen-point lead, you'd be absolutely overjoyed if you're an Ulster fan now. And the beauty of it. There's going to be a lot of nervousness. So the fans are going to have to play a massive part. I know they played them. I think they played them last year in the group stages as well. Pretty sure Toulouse went over there and won. So it's going to be a hell of a ding-dong. But what a performance. A little bit of frustration at giving that try away at the death. But six-point wins over in Toulouse. Happy days for Ulster.
0: And the way that Ulster play, McCluskey, our mate Hume. Mike, Lowry, Balakun, just to name drop a few. Balakun was ridiculously good. Well, the balance of their team. thats the. You look at the balance of their team, the way they play up front, how strong the line-out, the line-out drive is, the physicality, Vermeulen at number eight. They've got everything. They've got everything throughout that team in terms of making game line, the kicking game. They've got speed. I'm going to say it. <laughs> My Ulster are going to beat to lose at the weekend. <laughs> Hold
3: on a minute. And I'm going to say this to you now because you jumped on the Harlequins bandwagon last week. They found themselves 34-0 down. Don't jinx Ulster.
0: Shit. I did that on purpose. Right, me hope is Ulster will do it. I, I've seen enough in this team now to not make me question myself delivering a real authoritative statement. A what? <laughs> authoritative. That'll do. Whatever that strong, what means. strong. Strong.
1: <laughs> Well, we can have a chat now with one of the victorious Ulstermen from the weekend. Ulster and Ireland fullback, Mike Lowry, joins us. How are you, mate?
4: Yeah, good, thanks. Good to be on. It was great to get the shout-out from, from Jim the other a few weeks ago, so I'm finally getting myself on with the podcast.
0: Yeah, it's class to have you, mate. And he'd intro'd wrong. We'll just do it. You know it's coming. Mike Lowry. That's probably my worst one. Worst one that I've done. <laughs> Terrible, Jim. Terrible. I know. Mike, how does that go down? Tell me your parents have been doing that since the day you were born or not.
4: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's only started recently. I always get I only get Michael at home. I don't get Mike. It sort of kicked off the last couple of years and then yeah, I see it everywhere now, I see all the Bad Boys
3: memes. Like. <laughs> that's great. Funnily enough, obviously, with the Oscars and what's just happened there with Will Smith playing your namesake in Bad Boys, any banter that's been flying around over the last couple of weeks, you've been slapping people as well or not?
4: <laughs> I probably should have, I actually thought I would do that. <laughs> if I got interviewed at the weekend, that would have been a good one. And unfortunately, the cat got the man in and, and not myself, so I couldn't. Get the opportunity to go and
0: slap somebody. Exactly. Mike, how's it been for you? Well, I know how it's been. I don't want to talk for you. But us on the Rugby Pod, we've been chatting about you for a while. And you've been carving up for a long time before we were talking you up. But your career's just kind of taken off really this season properly in the spotlight where you've gone from Michael to Mike Lowry. Like as in now it's really taken off off the back of that. So uh, how's things been for you? A bit of a whirlwind or could you feel it come in? Or are, you, are you happy?
4: Yeah, you, you know what, I'm just really enjoying myself at the minute. I think I'm sort of, well, a my feet in, you know, the pro game. I suppose it takes a couple of seasons to get yourself used to the the level and intensity and, and just even the knowledge of pro rugby. And yeah, I just sort of enjoyed the last, well, this season, last season. And I suppose there's loads of lads the same age as me at, at the minute coming through also that, you know, we all get on so well. So going on the pitch makes it a lot easier.
3: I have got to ask a question though, because we've been super fans of you over the last six months really and how well you've been playing for Ulster and obviously, you know, making your debut for Ireland and all that stuff. I can't work it out. I could recognise you and I could see you a mile away when you wore the scrum cap but now it's gone. What's happening? (laughs) Because, you know, there's Mike Lowry's scrum cap. I can see him from everywhere he's dominating and now I've got to try and spot you a little bit because there's no scrum cap. Why is it on? Why is it off?
4: So originally, I put it on because my ear kept falling off or kept gun cotton tackles and it kept, you know, tearing off and then it it healed but then I thought, right. you know, I'll just keep the scrum hat on. And then I put it in the washing machine and uh took it out and completely shriveled, completely <laughs> torn to pieces. And that was about two days before the Northampton game. And I was like, right, I'm not going to get a chance to get a new one because it was actually from Australia. It's one of the NRL or the one one of the ones the, the Rugby League lads wear. Uh, so I was like, right, I'm not going to get a chance to get, get another one. So since then, I've just decided not to wear one now. Because you carved up.
0: Exactly. So you carved up, your social media went through the roof, everyone recognised you. They're like, that's Mike Lowry. As in before, they didn't know who you were.
4: Smart. <laughs> they just thought always was a little hobbit before with the white scrum <laughs> So,
3: <laughs> Let's talk about the game then for the weekend. Obviously, a, a massive win over there going into the den of, of Toulouse, who are uh, the champion team, aren't they? They've got DuPont and the, the likes of those boys. Best player in the world. Littered with superstars. You boys went over there and we had a sneaking suspicion that, you know, from... Outside the camp, that Ulster were going to go and put on a big show. You boys must have backed yourselves, but talk us through the game then because it was phenomenal. Your mate Balakoon on the wing was ridiculous. You were outstanding, a fantastic performance.
4: Yeah, I suppose over the last sort of year, we've really upped our game and added more levels to it, and we really back ourselves now. You know, we've beaten a few teams away from home, and I suppose that's given us a lot of confidence going into. Well, we went, when we went over to lose, and it was all about us rather than focusing on on them too much. You know, we, we obviously knew the threats of, of DuPont and, and Intermac, but I suppose it was about nullifying them and let, let, really letting our game take off. And, you know, I thought, obviously, it, it worked well for Rob Balakun. You know, he's, he's got gas to burn. He's like, a, I have so much confidence playing in behind him there. You know, he's even in D, like he's, he's brilliant. You know, I have, have so much trust for him.
0: Absolutely. And again, going back to us talking about it last week around the predictions, I don't think I put my money where my mouth is and predicted that you'd win, but I did say that I feel that Ulster are coming good now. At the beginning of the season, I didn't see you doing much in Europe. I thought that the URC would have been one that you would have went for. And then actually looking at the performances over the last few weeks and also the two in South Africa, which I know you didn't come away with much from them games, but this is the question – did that prime you? Do you think? Do you think the physicality of them two games to then go to France?
4: Yeah, so South Africa was really really difficult. You know, it was a, definitely a step up in physicality, and and obviously the heat, the altitude really got to us, I suppose. And we didn't actually put our best foot forward in those games, but I suppose we did look at it like it would be a good primer for us going into Toulouse away. And I think I, I think it definitely did. You know, even the the heat factor. I suppose if we hadn't been to South Africa uh, the week before, that we're probably going over and saying oh, it's really, really hot. But we didn't have that in the back of our mind. You know, we'd already prepped that. We'd played in 27 degrees the week before. So we were we were ready for it. And Nazi said it was meant to rain. So thankfully it didn't. And thankfully we got over the line anyway.
3: Yeah, it looked an unbelievable game, obviously, in a football stadium there as well, which the noise was, was fabulous. Did you, the sun was shining, did you get the Factor 50 out? Was it some of the boys struggling? I know McCloskey made the break on the outside. I was amazed that the big horse came through the centres and made the break. But it, it it was warm, it was tasty, but there must have been Factor 50 needed because we know Darren Cave and he does not tan either, right? So... The boys must have been struggling a bit.
4: Some of the lads are used to the sunbeds, so they're not too bad. They've got a bit of a, bit of a primer again. Who?
3: Name and shame them. Uh,
4: <laughs> I can't name and shame.
3: James Hume looks good. I reckon he's on the beds.
4: No, he tans well, doesn't he? <laughs> Mike,
0: just tell us about the energy at Ulster at the minute. And again, it's all well and good piggybacking you guys. You've got a big game at the weekend. We don't want to get over the top here because you've got a game at the weekend which is going to be incredibly tough against Toulouse but what's happening at Ulster in terms of the energy in terms of the culture in terms of the results and it's going to be a two-prong question hopefully we'll start to see more of you lads come through into the Ireland squad because as we know it's full of the Leinster players and then you get the odd opportunity with some of the Ulster lads coming through but it looks a really good place to be.
4: Yeah, like it is. Like there's again, like I said earlier, there's plenty of young lads that all came through the same system together, same school. You know, so we all just sort of, you know, we get on so well. and We actually really believe in what we're doing. It can be difficult if you're in a club that you don't really believe in how you're playing or certain philosophy, but we all really back ourselves and and sort of and definitely believe in in what we're doing at the minute. And I think there's just a lot of confidence around the group at the minute, and you know, it doesn't really matter who. Uh, we're coming up against that we just back each other and if we lose we want to lose because of the way we play and not forcing anything different
3: yeah it sounds a great place to be obviously Dan McFarland having a massive influence but I want to ask you about your debut for Ireland as well I've got a bit of a bone to pick with you because I'm sure you've been asked this a million times since the game why did you pass it to James Lowe the hat trick was on for you on debut (laughs) any other player would have just tucked that it was an amazing debut but it just shows the quality of you as a player to be unselfish and give it to him but any, any regrets for, for passing it when you could have scored yourself and got a hat-trick on debut?
4: As soon as I passed it, I was like, oh, maybe I could have got that. Trick. <laughs> <laughs> a few lads came over to me straight away and said I could have got it. But um, no, it's just I suppose, my character and not to even really think about how many scores you'd scored and before that or whatever. I suppose it's just what I feel is easier for the team at that time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And
4: Mike, let's just talk
0: a little bit about the obvious about around your height, being a small man in a game off the back of the, I think at the weekend, there's a stat that it, one turn. Why been horrible, Jim? Mate, we've all got our size issues, Andrew, haven't we? <laughs> you know, but it is the evolution of the smaller, the faster man. Because I mean, you're five foot seven and we've, again, to throw some names in the mix, Cheslin Colby being one of them, being one for the small men. But like how are you in terms of that that stature? You're frightened going to any of the games. Your parents must be like Jesus Christ. There's one ton of French beef at the weekend that he's up against. How is it for you?
4: I think I'm completely obnoxious to it. I, th- I feel like I'm so much bigger than what I what I am. We see when I watch the game back. I'm like, oh my word, what am I doing there? You know, sticking like your head in, in dark dark places. Like, but I suppose it's just you know upbringing. i have always been a bit braver than what I should be, really. But body on the line is. Uh, you know, as I probably shouldn't a lot of the time, but yeah, like I suppose it works both ways. And not in nowadays rugby, the way all the laws have sort of changed in terms of you know your ta- tackle height and you know head collisions are all um, you know really taking a step up in the last couple of years. So I think it works in my favour and, and the team's favour a lot of the time, and vice versa.
0: Mike, the question is then: Would you rather be six nine like Hills, like I am, and slower than the week in the jail, or are you happy at five foot seven <laughs> carving up? I think I know the answer. I <laughs> uh,
4: suppose it depends what you're doing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Give us some insight into what was said after the game. Again, so we were chatting about less, last week. We, we love these double legs. It's obviously all on at the weekend. What was said after? I mean, I imagine there weren't much of a celebration.
4: No, like, usually we sing a song after a victory, but, you know, it's only half time essentially. You know, every team is saying it. Uh, it's only half time and there's still eighty minutes of rugby to play. It's literally a game over 160 minutes than then the 80 minutes. You know, we were all proud to get, you know, a good result over in Toulouse that not many teams go over and do. And we put ourselves in a in a really good position. And now we've got a you know really good opportunity to go finish it off back at Kingspan. You know, so again, like yeah, there was not much said really. We have a lot to improve on, you know, a few things that we're really, really disappointed with and we could have made it a lot easier for ourselves. But you know, a game of rugby not everything goes the way you want it to.
0: And in terms of this game at the weekend, there's been some massive games at the Kingspan. When it was Ravenhill back in our day as well, Goody. How big is this game in context of not just the season, but I suppose this group of players that you've got going forward?
4: Yeah, it's it doesn't really get any bigger. I suppose what's on the line is a home quarterfinal. You know, if we win this, it'll be it'll be massive. So I think you know it'll definitely be a sellout. You know, again, you know, we're playing against the former champions, so they'll come all guns blazing, you know, especially in that first 20 minutes, you'd imagine, um, you know, because I think they probably felt a wee bit hard done by, and, you know, they have so much quality, again, so it's it's what, a, what an occasion to be a part of, hopefully, and, you know, again, hopefully we can we can get over the line.
3: And just looking at the draw, I know it's probably too early to to look too far ahead, and I'm, I'm sure you boys have seen it, but you won't look at it too closely or comment on it. If you get past Toulouse, you could be playing Munster in the quarters at home. If you get past Munster in the quarters at home, you could be playing Leinster in the semis as well. Uh, are those thoughts coming to your head? Just be the ultimate Irish team to get to the final by knocking out your two foes on the way?
4: <laughs> I had a, a small think about it, I suppose. You know, Munster obviously have to play a difficult game at home still with Exeter. So it's, like, we're sort of focusing on ourselves, but there's it's always in the back of your mind of, you know, we could be playing Munster or, you know, Leinster even further down the line. And I suppose from being in Irish camp, those are the those are the battles that we all love, you know, playing against you, your Europe's and numbers and you know, we're all fighting for those, those jerseys in, in Irish camp. So they're always a bit more feisty, those Interpol derbies, even in, you know, URC and and to go that next level up in the European Cup will be will be a great um, occasion.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What about Dwayne Vermeulen? How's he settled in? I know visually looking at him, how well he's played, but you think about where he is in his career, the back end of his career, with all due respect, but a world class player. It's not very often you see a player of that age come from South Africa to try something completely different, and he just looks like he's been phenomenal. What's he like as a teammate?
4: Yeah, he's been a brilliant influence. He's, you know, a real good fella as well. I think that always helps when you're coming over and you're just a genuine, you know, nice bloke. He doesn't do an awful lot of training anymore. I think uh, he's, he's more the mental prep gets the gets over the physical prep.
3: Wise old man?
4: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why I always, they always tell him that. But yeah, no, he keeps he does keep himself in in good shape. And I suppose he's he's been really influential with more so sort of, you know the forwards. And but like he, he came in with noting probably not knowing anyone and put himself out there, you know, and and got around speaking to everyone, which I thought was really important, especially because he came over and didn't train, this was for the Claremont week away, didn't train or anything, he had, I think he had COVID maybe the, year, the week before or something, just played the Claremont game, no training whatsoever, so I'm sure he's running around like, what is going on here? But um, that's just character to him, I suppose, you know, he knows all his detail uh, in and out, so, and we all bring, brought him in well, I suppose he probably had conversations with Marcel and a few other lads that have been over, So I hope he's enjoying it now. Yeah, he showed us South Africa pretty well last week, so... Hopefully we can
3: give him more Belfast. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We, we had a good night there a few weeks ago, so uh, you have to show him the sights on a night out as well.
4: It
0: was interesting, uh, Mike. Before you go, my mate Roddy Grant is coaching you boys. Obviously, does the forwards. Has he told you about me and him doing jiu jitsu and me tapping him out about twenty five times? Has he mentioned that or not?
4: <laughs> no, he hasn't mentioned that. though. I think he, I think he said he slapped
0: you by jiu jitsu. Yeah, very true, very true. He is yeah. unbelievable. He's. I don't know if he's. I know he's wrestled with some of the lads there. I, I even think he might even beat Dwayne Vermeulen at wrestling but I told him when he was on top of me I'm a striker I was like I, you know this is all new to me this jujitsu. jitsu he must have tapped me out 25 times so he is hard
4: yeah I've heard a lot of things I'd love to see that between uh, him and him, Dwayne mate.
0: you came
3: for it back yourself getting there at 5 foot 7
4: <laughs> probably bite the ears off him. that's what I go for <laughs> like.
1: alright Mike well thank you very much for coming on the show mate really appreciate it and best of luck against Toulouse at home this
3: weekend mate
4: cheers mate thanks
3: Cheers, Mike. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Cheers, Mike. Legend. Thanks for coming on, mate.
4: Thanks very much. Cheers.
3: We'll get you one of those Scrum Caps sent over as well. Actually, don't. You fly flying.
4: No, leave it for now until I have a bag here. <laughs> <laughs> if
0: nice. you want more followers, just do, do what I've done. in Indonesia, I'll send you a number. You get 40,000, then just get the Scrum Cap back on. So <laughs> you'll be fine.
3: <laughs> mate, good luck this weekend. Cheers, Cheers, mate. Cheers, Mike. Legend, mate. Cheers,
4: lads. Thank you.
2: This episode is brought to you by Cars.com.
0: Mike Lowry. Mike Lowry. How did I do it so shit first time? I'm, that was I, real shit. That is arguably the most embarrassed I've ever been. Forget Gareth Davis down at the beach bar. Me not being able to say Mike Lowry. I don't know. I, what happened? Did I stutter? I don't know. I don't know. It was
3: pressure. You're probably thinking, where is Gareth Davis and where is Beck? That's what you're probably thinking right now. Beck!
0: <laughs> Beck!
3: <laughs> Beck! <laughs> no. <Shane Ome. laughs> <laughs> she's at the gym, mate. Yeah, hey, she's at the
0: gym. She's at the gym with the guy who uh, doesn't wear a t-shirt at the pool bar and he's got a pair of tight budgie smugglers and they're not flimsy at the front. Fucking
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Top lad. Like. Top lad.
3: I can't believe you went for the five foot seven, but yeah, what a lovely bloke. He's having an unbelievable season, isn't he? Breakthrough year. Not a breakthrough year. It's hard to call it a breakthrough year because he's been really good previously, but he's properly burst onto the scene at the top, top level this year, isn't he? And he's, what a lovely bloke.
1: How much did Goody enjoy hearing the training regime of
3: Dwayne Vermeulen? Mate, how good. What Dwayne Vermeulen, I had so much respect from him anyway. He's a hero to me now. Doesn't train. Probably he's on the Mar- on the on the sideline and he's just absolutely carving up at weekends. He rocks up, beats Claremont without even training. What a legend. What an absolute legend.
0: After COVID. He had COVID as well when he got off the plane. I mean, there's some South Africans that are just made of... Something different. I mentioned Scalp Burger when he rocked up, and there's me on the foam roller in the gym at Saracens. And again, you know, naturally strong, naturally gifted. He joins me being naturally strong, naturally gifted. He did not leave that mat <laughs> on the what? foam roller. He didn't leave it.
3: <laughs> naturally strong and gifted. I mean, what? <laughs> Maybe you had some freak strength, but gifted,
0: not so much. Yeah, but it was very true. Like, you, you could say that's gifted. Freak strength. You can't say freak. It, you could say that that's a gift. Let's take a look at the other games then as well. Exeter will take a five point lead
1: to Munster this week, but Rob Baxter wasn't happy with those yellow cards, was he?
0: He wasn't,
3: and I commentated on the game, and I don't know what he's on about, genuinely. Rob Baxter normally hits the nail on the head, right? He's normally spot on with most of the things he says, but the first one, Ollie Woodburn, he's for. I know Scannell is in an offside position, but he still biceps forearmed him in the face. And so there's head contact there. So. And uh, we looked at back on it and Sam Warburton, who is one of the best, greatest to have ever have done it in terms of a back row player, understood that, yes, Scannell was offside and in a position where he hadn't rolled away as a tackler, but he's still got a bicep to the face and it's dangerous. So it was always going to be a yellow card. Schickling's one. He's stripped someone on the deck in a tackle four metres from their own line. So it was a yellow card every day of the week. So whilst I, th- I think Rob Baxter's frustration is that when that Munster team came out, they had no Ty Byrne, they had no Peter Omani, they had no Simon Zebo, They were missing Coombs up front as well. Loads of people missing from that started Munster forward pack. Yeah, their back line was pretty strong, but they were missing Carberry as well. I think his frustration is that they haven't got a bigger lead. Now, that's the beauty of this two-legged affair, the Champions Cup. Munster fans that were there were unbelievable. The noise was just phenomenal. It was an absolute... As Jim Hamilton said, an absolute pleasure to commentate on that going with the Munster fans. <laughs> How did they even get there?
0: How do you get from Munster to Exeter? Do you even know? Did you do your prep?
3: I was driving from near London down the M4 and then the M5. There was loads of them in the cars. I'm like, where are you coming from? I know Peter Stringer flew into Heathrow Airport and drove down for the three-hour drive to Exeter from there. But listen, wherever Munster play, there is fans galore. I remember being at the Coventry Building Society Arena earlier in the competition when they basically had a load of boys still in South Africa with COVID in isolation. They had a load of other boys back in Munster, sick and ill, and they had the under-14s sent over. But the Munster fans, I think they got like four fans out of the stands in that game against Wasp, and they were on the bench.
0: Because Wasp only have about 10 fans now, don't they?
3: Oh, right, here he is. He's back on that train is <laughs> <of Z. laughs> Anyway, Leicester. Come on, Leicester. I'm Leicester now. Yeah, listen, monster fans are absolutely ridiculous. They're the best in Europe, I think, for making noise, travelling to away grounds. And that's why they're hard to play against. And Rob Baxter's frustration, yes, the two yellow cards came at a bad time. But all I'm saying is, and I called it on comms, Graham Roundtree in my old ears, and I know Wig listens to this podcast and enjoys it. I've seen him rant and rave at the boys at half-time. He's shouting, his ears are everywhere. He's like, yeah. Anyway, so I've called it in comms.
0: What, is that all he's saying? <laughs> so hang on, so all he's shouting is, yeah, that's our wig.
3: <laughs> he's trying to boot stuff. He's absolutely going mad at them. And we're, we're watching it on a the changing room camera and stuff. And they come out in the second half and actually had a had a backbone about them and played pretty well. So, and I'm hearing, after I announced it on comms, give it to Graham Roundtree because he's made the difference, Monster are gonna make him head coach. That's the word in the street that's come out today. So I don't know whether I get a pat on the back for that. I messaged Wig and said, Congrats. He said, tell Jim to fuck off. And I'm like, yeah, I can definitely do that as well. It was a decent ding-dong in terms of European pedigree and you know, jeopardy around what was happening. Quality was a little bit low at times. There was a few errors, but it was intense. Stuart Ogmiel drop goal. He's been on the sunbeds like you wouldn't believe, eh?
0: Whenever it's above 15 degrees, I'm thinking that lad's going to get sunstroke.
3: Well, he's not. He's primed himself and he goes on sunbeds every week, apparently, three times a week.
0: Well, there you go. There you go. And then you get a drop goal like that. My goodness. But if he had sunstroke, that's when you know he's comfortable now in the heat. Because if he's got sunstroke and our old hoggy with the shit teeth and the horrible lid, he would have got sunstroke. Not the new hoggy. He's got clarity now hell of a drop goal is what I'm trying to say
3: and here's a stat for you I didn't realise this and you perhaps wouldn't think about this that was Stuart Hogg's first ever drop goal in professional rugby
0: that's a stat It's a good stat
3: if I'm Hoggy I'm never having another drop goal attempt again because you won't hit a better drop goal than that ever in his life 50 out cleanest of strikes he got his lid behind it he got his sunbeds behind it he got his tags behind it everything was behind it and boom straight over
0: well that's a great stat I'll give you another one 3 inches <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's talk about Quinns. 34 nil down in Montpellier before coming back to make it 40-26. to Will they fancy their chances of turning things around back at the stoop?
0: It doesn't matter if you're Queens, though, does it? Because if you're 34 down, they'll score 35. If you're 43 down, they'll score 44. Not this time. And I'm being a bit horrible there. Montpellier, unreal. Zach Mercer, Unbelievable. So I haven't seen much of Montpellier this season, apart from that game where they've got 90 points put on them. And then you could say, I'm going to say it, they embarrassed the tournament, really. They embarrassed themselves. And how they've managed to get into the last 16, I don't bloody know.
3: They did beat Exeter in the last round to qualify, which is a big win at home.
0: Yeah, we had Zach Mercer on after that game, I think. But I thought they'd thrown the towel in and concentrated on the top 14. But obviously not now because it's a knockout stages. So you're going to throw everything into it. Just the way that they play. I just think the front football, the physicality, the fact that you've got Paolo Garbisi keeping out World Cup winner Pollard, who threw an intercept when he came on, while he'd been horrible, Jim. <laughs> the profile of their team as well. And you're talking about Harlequins team. I spoke about it last week. Played phenomenal rugby. And I know they came back into it, but I think they were shell shocked. Well, they were. Yeah. I don't think they were. There's Joe Marler kissing people on the aeroplane and putting it all out on social media. Hey, just concentrate on the game, mate. You're going to Montpellier. You're going to the the land of the top 14. Top table toppers. Stop kissing, lads and waking them up. Don Brandt needs to sleep. Do you know what I mean? Danny Care's sleeping. He don't want a wet Willie, if you can say Willie. He don't want that. He's got a game. He's up against Cobus Reynac at the weekend. Don Brandt's up against... I'm going to say it. Don Brandt's up against the best England number 8 at the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> he wants to sleep.
3: Look at you, eh? Look at you. One week, you're like, Harlequins was such a pleasure to commentate on. <laughs> and this week, you're getting stuck into Joe Marler and his social media. What a turncoat you are, Jim. Yeah,
1: there's a clip for Instagram.
3: Yeah, last week, it was all Harlequins. We are the greatest. I am Harlequins. Now, you're like, oh, you know, they need to sleep. They're playing against the best. And you're laughing about them. Mate, you're horrible. Why are you so horrible to Quins?
0: i just bring them back down to fuel their energy again because that's why they played so well against London Irish. They knew I was commentating. They're like, this lad doesn't respect us. That lad, and I saw Adam Jones pointing up, they don't respect us. And then they turned it on. So that's what I'm doing now. Okay. Because we've got a big game on the return leg Montpellier. Montpellier are coming in not not on our own turf.
3: Talking about the game, Zach Mercer was absolutely ridiculous, wasn't he? If you want a, a stage... And listen, I played over in France where, like Jim said, you don't necessarily see all the games and you don't see... You might see clips and snippets of it. You get to the Champions Cup and everyone's watching it against Harlequins, England's champions, and you perform like that against England's starting number eight. Imagine the Bath fans now thinking, "What? The, why did we let him
0: go? They would have done that already. And we said, yeah. when we were talking up Zach Mercer and we were like, this guy's unbelievable... Well, he said it then and yeah. he came on. He's, he's, I think, he's come on twice since he left Bath. Yeah, like, how, how have you got rid of this lad?
3: Maybe not got rid of him, but not done everything to keep him.
0: He was one of the best players in the Prem, week in, week out. And by all accounts, he's one of the best players in the top 14. And like you've just said, actually, we've all got to see it now on the biggest stage against. And we love Don Brandt as well, like, he's a fantastic player. This isn't our Zach Merce is better than Alex Dombrant. We're obviously joking about it. It doesn't mean that. We're just saying, we're talking about an English number eight who's nowhere to be seen in England. So his stock has just gone. I know it's one game, but it's off the back of all the games that he's played. But off the back of that game, his stock's just gone up massively. So I was going to say you're welcome. It's embarrassing to even say that. It's all in. <laughs> it's all in. <him. laughs>
3: but hell of a game this weekend. If there's a team that can come back from 14 down, my God, I mean... We said it. They were thirty-four nil down. They've come back. You know, they were twenty-eight nil down. I think in the semi-final against Bristol's, go back and win that. So we're going to see a Humdinger at Harlequins on Saturday. Can't wait to watch that one as well.
1: Where do quins have the edge?
3: Loose when they're tired, when they've shifted that big pack around. They, they need to play at a pace that and shift the point of contact. They made a few errors. It was like they weren't at the races fully and where they don't get punished in the Premiership, because they play a loose and fast game, right? And Jim said it last week when he commented, oh, it's such a pleasure to commentate on Harlequins. But they were very loose, weren't they? And, and Irish had a few opportunities, and we had Ollie Hassel Collins come on, and Irish butchered a couple of tries, didn't they? They dropped two over the line, I think. So where Quins play the way they play, in the Premiership, they don't get punished as badly as they do in Europe for some of the little errors, and that is the big thing. That's the big difference. They made a few errors at the weekend, and... You know, Marcus Smith, I think, put a crossfield kick in and eventually Ndangebi gets the ball and scores. So it's just a different competition, isn't it? You're playing against the best team in France at the minute. So they've got to play loose and fast, but cut down their error rate and give Lewis Liner the ball because he was ridiculous at times as well. Caden Murley was class. And they've got to play fast and try and, you know, make Paul Willemser and those boys blow out their arse.
1: It's even bigger task for Connacht to turn things around. They've got Leinster
0: in, <laughs> at home, but uh, they did all right to stay in the fight in Galway, didn't they? Yeah, we're all thinking Leinster. Is it going to be fifty points? Is it going to be ninety points? But as we know, Connor are not a team that roll over. And you think of actually Connor, the two games against Leicester in the pool stages. Yeah, and we're talking all we're all talking up Leicester how good they are. Connor nearly beat them twice, so that's how good Connor are, especially in Europe and. It's a tough place to go and play, but Leinster are Leinster, one of the best teams in the world, best club teams in the world. And Connacht got off to a good start, but what does that matter? Leinster, just phenomenal, aren't they, when they get going? But Connacht made a proper game of it. There's only a few points in it. So I can't see them on the return leg beating them, but they have gave a good showing of themselves. And yeah, I like Connacht. I like Connacht, but I think Leinster, they've won the URC Pro 14, Pro 12, whatever it's been called in recent years gone by four times in a row. Like it's Europe now for them. And they know that, you know, they've got to blow Connett away if they want to get through properly and be proper contenders going into the quarters and semis. But no good showing by Connett. Yeah, two things on that game for me. Firstly, the
3: ball skills of every Leinster player Are just ridiculous at the line. I think you tweeted it. I did tweet it. It was was ridiculous.
0: Oh, gosh, they can pass, they can kick.
3: (laughs) Touche, James.
0: Did I like it or not? I don't know. You know. You look for the verified likes, you do.
3: Nah, I don't. Who cares, mate? I'm not someone that goes on social media and buys followers like you good self, Jim. There was a conversation about that on the BT Sport Bus at the weekend.
0: Oh, was there? Yeah. Did I get brought up?
3: Uh, I I said, well, Jim openly talks about it. They were like, fair play. Because a lot of people, and I won't name names, James Haskell amongst others, Will Greenwood, apparently they've bought loads, but deny it.
0: (laughs) I should say, mine is only on Instagram. I've not bought any followers on Twitter. That is the one where I'm, amount of people. I'm hitting people with facts and knowledge, and I love Harlequins.
3: So, yeah, two things. Obviously, the ball skills, the handling, uh, the shapes they put on, every player is ridiculously comfy, ball in hand. And that makes their attack function so well. Uh, and secondly, I think Connacht will be a little bit frustrated. They had a little bit of white line fever when they got an opportunity in that second half to take the lead. A bit of white line fever, they ended up getting turned over, just trying to be the hero and score the try. A few of the forwards going... Uh, on their own a little bit. So they'll be a bit frustrated, but Leinster look proper good at times. James Lowe ridiculously
0: good.
1: What about Jameson Gibson Park's yellow card goody? Should that have been a red? No.
0: I don't even think it should have been a yellow. It has to be a yellow. Has to be a yellow. It's similar to Treadwells in terms of I don't think Jameson Gibson Park wanted to make the tackle. Yeah. That's what it felt like. It felt it felt like He was just kind of stood in the way. But anyway, Andrew, as the Sighting Commissioner, over to you. As the
3: Rugby Pod Specialist TMO, it has to be a yellow card. I don't think it's a red because you go through the framework, it's an upright tackle. So I think initially in the framework, has there been foul play? Well, there's contact shoulder to head, so yes. Secondly, they obviously look for any mitigation. The mitigating factors were there wasn't any. He was upright in the tackle. Kieran Marmion was coming at him and it was a bit of small nine on small nine but the point of contact he it was a soak up wasn't it so it was shoulder to head but there was no force so that's why it gets mitigated down to a yellow card so I don't think it was a red in my opinion in the TMO rugby pod TMO's opinion yellow card is the right call because you have got head contact you know as a defender it's literally three foot six defender playing against a three foot six attacker it's ironic that you've still found uh, a high tackle in that but He's got to bend at the hips a little bit. So, yeah, yellow card every day of the week. It's not a red because there's no force behind it, I don't think. And as Jim said, he didn't really want to make the tackle. He was back on his haunches. Had he thrown his shoulder in like you used to, Jim, he's red card all day long.
0: You know, this bending at the hips, I laugh to myself because even against Marmion, if I bent my... if, If literally I saw him come in and I had to bend my hips at the last second, I'm probably getting sat down by Nigel Owens. Like, I am that weak in that position. So, I mean, hey, upright, goodness me.
3: But here's the thing. Going back to my Twitter feed and one of the greatest Scottish second rows to ever have done it, Tim Swinson. He got down low and smashed someone the other week. Perfect tackle technique. He's about 36 years of age, Jim, as well.
0: Yeah, and he's and he's about five foot ten. <laughs> he five foot ten. He's, he's six foot one. Four, six six. He's six six. Six one heels. Oh he's bending over. Well he ain't six nine with heels, is he? Jeez. <laughs> yeah, a couple of bigger away wins for La Rochelle and
1: Racing in the two all French clashes. Is there any coming back for Bordeaux or Stade
0: Francais? No. La Rochelle. <laughs> Again, I tweeted it. I just name-dropped. I googled the names to make sure I spelt them right, and I got Gregory's he got this kind of... It's a hyphen or something in his name, which is obviously French. I went through some of the names that they've got, and I've not spoken about La Rochelle. Not that that doesn't mean anything or mean something. Monster Central. That's it. I mean, Monster Central, but I'm going to say it because I'm American a little bit. They can ball. They're (laughs) ballers, right?
3: You're a little bit American now as well. Where's that come from?
0: Well, I've... My T-shirt was made in the USA, so. <laughs> Harley as well. You drive a Harley. I've, well, yeah, of course I do. Hey, I've got a beard. That's what you do. Yeah, I tweeted about it. They look phenomenal. And they're not a team that I've put into the mix of winning it, but the way that they played against Bordeaux and the lead up to that, the, how funny is that with Christoph Urios and Ronan O'Gara? the build up to that with the energy as well and the fact they played each other the week before. But comfortable win. You look at guys like Will Skelton, Gregory Ald- Aldrete, Ald- Uri, you know Dante, just to name a few. These are the lads that have been carving up right in the French team, and also Will Skelton, who's just carved up and is one of the best players in the world. They could win it, I think. I think yeah. if, uh, and I know they got to the final last year, but they look very, very good.
3: And the funny thing about it, well, obviously the, the big spat between Urios and. O'Gara last week but Christoph Urios got his pants pulled down this weekend and I'm telling you now exactly that is a horrible sight I bet he's hung like a pip and Rono O'Gara is just smiling at him because that is one hanging individual hell of a coach but 1-0 to O'Gara
0: why do you think he's hung like a pip because many people looking at that have been like yeah he ain't seen it in years has he <laughs> no he hasn't no he hasn't good job he's rich
1: let's talk about the all oh, English game between Sal and Bristol I know you touched on it wasn't the, no
3: do we have to <laughs> wasn't the greatest spectacle was it Basically, Sammy Ranjandra got the ball when he came off the bench and scored a try. That was it.
0: Manu made a break as well. And that was about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> how do you see the second league going? Hopefully not the same, myself. Sam. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: hopefully hopefully a damn downside better than it was because it was it was so hard to watch. And Austin on comms is literally saying that people have turned the TV off left, right and centre because how bad it was. And when you're being paid by BT Sport, that is what you cannot say. You cannot say turn it off because it's so bad. But he was honest. So that's what you love about him. So, a shocking game. The skill level abysmal. Desire to play ball in hand. Pretty woeful from Sale. Actually, Bristol's, they had so much possession. Yeah, it was awful. So it's basically a one-off game down in Bristol's to qualify for the next round. So you just hope it's way better than that because Sale just kicked it and we're absolutely shocking.
0: How do you see that game panning out? Hopefully, it's cancelled. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I'm joking.
0: I'm piggybacking. I'm piggybacking. I like Sale. Something's not quite clicking there at the minute, is it? And obviously, the news of Fathie Clark leaving and Lou Diego. I know Fordy's coming in. I act as if we're best mates, but there's there's something that's not just clicking, is it?
3: What's well, no McGinty? McGinty's such a rock star for him. It's unbelievable.
0: Ain't that mental? No disrespect to AJ McGinty, who we love. He's a quality player. But a team full of players that they've got, like Tua Lange, Clerk, de Klerk, Lou Diego, the Dupree brothers, we're talking about him being so important, yet he's leaving.
3: Adrian McGuinty is so important to them in terms of their attack. Ford will have a big impact there next year. But also a bit of it is around the coaching. So Alex Anderson's obviously come from the Saracens way, hasn't he? And the foundations that they built on was not playing massive amount of rugby. So he's obviously putting those foundations in place. And then hopefully they're going to tag on some attack over the next year or so. Because if you've got Manu, You've got a hell of a player there to even use with the ball or without the ball to create space for other people. So, yeah, it's a massive step down when AJ McGinty doesn't play, and that's what they're missing. I think he's out for another few weeks as well.
1: Right, well, let's finish things off then with the good, the bad, and the ugly.
3: Yeah, let's start off with the good then. Plenty of good as ever. We're going to start off in your neck of the woods, Andy Rowe. Oh. And the legend, that is Daniel Carter. And no doubt Jim jumps on the bandwagon. Oh, look at what Dan Carter is doing to raise money for UNICEF. We were texting. Like your best mates, DC. Doesn't even know who you are, Jim. (laughs) Yeah, the legend, Dan Carter, he did a 24-hour kicking challenge this week in partnership with UNICEF to raise money to provide clean water and sanitation for children in the Pacific and raised a grand total of about $340,000. So uh, a massive, massive achievement from him. Uh, Well done, DC. Absolute legend. No doubt, Jim will be in touch on social media again. Well done, Dan. You're you're, you're so great.
0: I don't call him Dan. I call him DC. And he calls me BJ. BJ. Blur. No, let's not go there.
3: (laughs) What else was good? Montpellier. And Zach Mercer, in particular, we spoke about him earlier. Ridiculous performance from him. 13 carries, 127 metres gained, nine defenders beaten, three line breaks, four offloads and two tries. Basically, he outdid any stat that Jim and I managed to achieve in our careers in one game. So, uh, no, actually, you got our trick against India, didn't you? So
0: And three turnovers in the final against Exeter, but no one speaks
2: about
3: that, <laughs> including me. There you go. So a massive shout out to Zach Mercer and Montpellier. Eddie Jones, I wonder if you're watching. Probably should be, but no, he's out coaching in... Japan, Japan. <laughs> picking, <laughs> picking up more cash out there. Fair play, Eddie. You had a really good Six Nations. Off you go to Japan. Uh, what else was good? Leicester, obviously massive performance by them. It just keeps getting better and better. They inflicted Claremont's biggest ever home defeat in the top tier of European competition with a unbelievable performance at the weekend over in Claremont. But the good this week is going to our new favourite team. Not new favourite team. We've been over to Belfast. We've done live show there. We love the Ulster boys. And especially Mike
0: Lowry. Lowry. Or Lowry. Lowry, Lowry. <laughs>
3: yeah. An amazing performance by Ulster. Rob balacoon especially gets a mention. 10 carries, 170 metres, 6 defenders beaten, 3 line breaks and a hat-trick. So they are definitely better stats than Jim or I ever achieved in our careers, in our whole careers, let alone one game. So Ulster get the good this week. A fabulous performance. 26 points to 20 victory away at the Champions to lose a massive, massive game by them. And hopefully they can back it up this week. But that's why Ulster get the good this week. The bad, few bits of bad to note on as well. We're going to start off again, Andy Rowe in New Zealand. Are you a Chiefs fan? No,
1: I'm a Crusaders fan.
3: Oh, of course you are, glory Hunter. Anyway, the Chiefs, absolutely shocking. They lost 25-0 at home to the Blues, and that was the first time they've ever been nilled in Super Rugby. Gats is back there coaching, isn't he? He's involved. It's not going very well, is it? It didn't go very well when he went over there. Then he came to do the line. Who's thinking he can have the England job? Because that ain't great. And he ain't getting the All Blacks job either, is he, Andy Rowe?
1: Well, I don't know. I think Scott Robinson. Scott Robertson's getting the all big job.
3: There we go. Anyway, enough chat of New Zealand Rugby. The Chiefs. Shocking. They get a mention of the bad. <laughs> Cardiff, they get a mention of the bad this week as well. They lost 49-14 at home to the Scarlets in the rearranged URC derby. Not particularly good there. Claremont, they get a mention in the bad. They've lost five of their last six home games in Europe now after they were almost unbeatable at the Stade Marcel Michelin for so, so long. So, not good from those boys. The Sale versus Bristol game definitely gets a mention of the bad this week. It was shocking until Semirandrandra comes on and makes a break to score a try. So, uh, that gets a mention. But Bordeaux are also going to get a mention of the bad this week. Four straight home defeats for them. And you can see how they're going to struggle this week away at La Rochelle. Christophe Orias, get your pants up. It's not a nice sight. Getting hosed by... La Rochelle and Ronan O'Gara gets his own back this week after you made some unsavoury comments in the press about him last week. But I'm not going to give out the bad this week because I'm going to change it to the sad. Two bits of very sad news came into the world of rugby this week. First and foremost, Dan Levy had to announce his retirement from the horrific knee injury that he picked up a couple of years back. He did come back for a game or two, but couldn't get through. So very sad news that he's had to retire because he was... An unbelievable player for Ireland and Leinster. But the real sad news this week is the passing of Tom Smith. We spoke about it earlier. After his battle, a very long battle as well with cancer, our thoughts are with his family, his friends, at this incredibly difficult time. Uh, Such a wonderful guy, such a wonderful rugby player, and very sad news that he passed away last week. The ugly. A few bits of ugly. Uh, We're going to start off with one of Jim's tweets. It wasn't an ugly tweet, Jim, but it caused controversy on Twitter. And you got embroiled in it. But Offa Tunga Fassi had 17 stitches put in his bonce after the Blues game. He got a stray boot caught in a tackle, didn't he? And there's Jim Hamilton
0: going, look how hard rugby players are. Tell Ronaldo that.
1: (laughs) Trolling Ronaldo.
0: I didn't tag him, did I? I don't know. It went viral. i tell you what, though, but I had people coming back at me. What are you trying to say? Like, football, like, tougher rugby players are tougher than footballers. No, I... I ain't saying that, but that is true. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not specifically saying that. And they're like, yeah, but some footballers come from tough backgrounds. And what? Mate, you got a scratch on your leg. Look at Tuggo Fassi's face. So if someone's going to post that, I'm going to post that. But then I was a bit bored on my first day of holiday. One of the kids was ill, so I just sat in my bed doing what you do, Andrew, and tweeting and eating and going back at some of the... I don't even know what you call them, but I thought it was quite funny. Um, people are so easily wound up, aren't they? They are. But
3: anyway, the ugly part of the ugly gets a mention is Tonga Fassi's face uh, with 17 stitches in it. Uh, what else was ugly? Well, load of red cards. We're going to start off with Juan Cruz Malia's reckless tackle in taking Ben Moxham out in the air. He rightly got sent off by Wayne Barnes, but then Barnes he has to get the security everywhere because. To lose fans ain't happy. Tolu Latu gets a mention in the ugly this week. If you have a look at his red card that he got for taking out Baptiste Shusanu in the air, it's the second time he's done it. Absolutely ridiculous. And then he's gobsmacked that he's been red carded as well. So Tolu Latu, absolutely shocking. You get mentioned in the ugly this week. But there's only one place to dish out the ugly this week, James. And it involved two of my old teams. I always have to get my old teams in there somewhere. Two of my old teams played against each other, Brieve against Saracens. I had wonderful times at both clubs. I'm sure people will agree. But they played against each other. Saracens were very dominant. Axel Muller, first and foremost, what a name. Imagine being called Axel Muller. Hell of a name. But you don't want to be called Axel Muller this week because it was a sickening shoulder to the head of Ben Harris in the brief versus Saracens game. Ben Harris has made a break. Clear 2v1. Gives the pass and gets absolutely smoked about a second after he's passed it. Axel Muller tries to... Drive his shoulder into his face, ridiculous tackle, boarding on assault. And it was that bad that the secondary TMO on this podcast, Jim Hamilton, said, throw the book at him on Twitter as well.
0: So, <laughs> Did you tweet that? Oh, I might have done, yeah. Just for a better ban. <laughs>
3: so, Axel Muller, you get the ugly this week.
1: Thanks, Goody. And you guys have got a couple of shout outs to finish off with, don't you?
3: Yeah, a massive shout-out to Katie from her husband, Ross. Uh, She's a massive fan of the pod and has been in hospital recently as their son, Corey, has been really poorly. So the pod has been giving her a bit of a laugh, mainly Jim Hamilton and myself making fun of ourselves and each other.
0: So all the best to Katie and Corey, and we hope the recovery goes well. Yeah, thinking about you, Katie and Corey, and thanks for that message. Big shout-out as well to Winchester Rugby Club, who've got their annual black Rat Easter 7s sounds compelling it's the competition this weekend which is taking place on Sunday the 17th of April from 10am to 5.30pm The club are putting on lots of activities for the whole family and there's even some special guests lined up. So get down to Winchester Rugby Club this Sunday to get involved and eat some Black Rats. I imagine that's what they're doing, is it? If it's called Black Rat Easter? Definitely.
3: Finally, a massive shout out to Tim Yogi Comben. Yogi! Uh, Yogi, we used to call Tom Croft that, didn't we? Yeah, Tim Yogi Comben, uh, who recently played his 300th first-team game for Weymouth and Portland RFC. I used to go on holiday down to Weymouth, my mum's hockey team used to tour there every easter so there's some memories for you
0: aye up, aye up.
3: yeah, aye up. <laughs> there we go and also to marcus Burcham as well he's retiring from blackheath rugby club after amounting 220 appearances for them so hell of a shift boys 300 games for tim yogi comben and 220 games and retiring out for marcus Burcham so good stuff lads
1: Thanks, Goody. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, producer Tristan. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure you're subscribed on Spotify.
0: Right, lads, I'm off to see you back. Apparently, she's down the beach doing scrum off passes. So, <laughs> I'll see you in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Rugby spot.
3: Spotify pod, 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 pod. <laughs>